In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is The Camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Well, the Wisconsin Badgers offense is the best in the country, Jesse. They put up 52 points. Well, they, they put up, what, 45 points. The defense helped with another seven. I'm kidding, of course, but they went on the road. They picked up a 52-3 to win over Rutgers on Saturday. It was a dominating victory. Obviously, really came together in the second quarter, towards the end of the second quarter, where they just uh, uh, touchdown, 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 and it, the route was on. I, essentially, when Caesar Williams took the interception back for the touchdown, it was a route. And uh, a lot of really good things coming from that game. But I think uh, a lot of people are going to be pointing towards uh, Graham Mertz and what they got from him. He was 11 for 16. He threw for 240 yards. He had three touchdowns, also had the one interception. But I think uh, a lot of us, and we were kind of talking about it after the game, I kind of think that that may have been his best performance since the opener against Illinois last year. The more I looked at it, uh, the more I agree with that statement. I've got a story that I've written. And it's publishing Monday about Graham's performance. And I mean, if you just look at his passing grade with the pro football focus rates, it was the second highest passing grade of his career behind that Illinois game. And it's certainly not on that level, but 11 for 16 for 240 yards, like you said, with the three touchdown passes. And to me, it was the throws that he was able to make, he delivered some critical third down throws. He completed three third downs. One of them was that touchdown pass to Kendrick Pryor, just a perfectly placed ball under pressure. Kendrick went and made the play. He gave his guys an opportunity. And I think that it was really telling that he threw the interception on the first offensive series. And that's an opportunity where you could kind of go in the tank if, if you're not as mentally locked in as he is. And, and Paul Christ obviously still trusted him to go out and, and run some plays and take some shots, and he delivered. So there's a lot of factors that go into that, which I'm sure we'll get into. But for Graham, this was certainly the best performance of this season. I mean, he threw 143 yards in the first half. That was more than he'd thrown in the last five full games. So off to a good start. And this is exactly what they need if they're going to make a run here down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, the 52 points, and I know it's Rutgers, and some people will question whether Rutgers is an actual Big Ten team, but they are in the conference. So 52 points, that's the most Paul Christ has put up in his head coaching tenure against a Big Ten team. And the passing offense was a big reason why. They had 250, they had 274 yards passing. They had 305 yards rushing. That's the first time they've had over 250 in both passing and rushing in a Big Ten game since Indiana in 2010 when they put up 80, what, 80, was it 80 points? I thought it was a million. No, (laughs) either way, it was an insane amount. Uh, John Budmeyer to Jared Aberderis, also the longest touchdown, Danny's touchdown, the 72-yarder. That was the longest touchdown since then. And, I mean, there was just a lot of, like, throwback the – like you have to go digging into the stats to find the last time they put together an offensive performance like this in a conference game together. It was really Im- impressive. And obviously it starts certainly with what the defense did. And, but I, I do want to stick on Graham because, you know, Kendrick Pryor had four catches for 72 yards in this game. He had four catches in his last, it was last five games combined. 
So, like, they got these guys involved. We got Chimray DK involved. Uh, Danny only had the one catch for 72 yards, but Jake Ferguson, two for 40. Like, he was spreading it around. It wasn't just one guy. And I think at times this year, it felt like one guy has been it, you know, like it was against Iowa, for instance. Yeah. So, Danny, Kendrick, and Graham all talked about this after the game that on that interception that Graham threw, if anybody who watched noticed there were two guys there, Graham shouldn't have thrown that pass. Jake didn't even turn back for the ball. I know he got kind of knocked off his route, but that they were bracketing Ferguson and they were playing one-on-one on the outside with guys like DK and Pryor. And so they, they sort of changed up what their plan was and both Pryor and Davis being confident wide receivers that they are said, they took that as disrespect. It was disrespectful that, that they would just kind of say, this is how you're going to have to beat us. And and they both made their mark. Obviously, you mentioned prior. It, it's been wild how cyclical this has been this season because there's been stretches where Danny hasn't gotten a catch, stretches where Kendrick hasn't gotten, and Chimray too. Um, but they've got so much talent that you just need to get the ball in your playmaker's hands. And I thought this was a, a good game to do it. Obviously, they had a massive lead, but I think there's probably some concerns about what how that running back room shapes up. I know we'll probably get into that too, but this was a very good day for Graham. And I think it was like, this is what everyone's been waiting for. Um, and I know the stat line overall, you know, it's, it's, he threw 16 passes. So it's not like they aired it out 30 times and he completed 80% of them, but this is what they're going to have to be. Uh, in order to have success, they're not going to take a ton of chances, but when they do, he has to be efficient. And as Paul Chris likes to say often, and he's not wrong that it takes all 11 pass protection has been much better lately. If you notice, he didn't take a sack in this game. He didn't take a sack last game against Iowa. That was a big issue earlier in the season. Um, and so that contributes wide receivers getting separation, all the things and Graham delivering on target throws, which had been an issue earlier in the season as well. So we'll see whether this is the time, the kind of game where he can use it um, as kind of a jumping off point for the last month of the regular season. You think he can, do you think he will? Is it, or is this just a Rutgers thing? In your, in I think opinion. he can. I, I really think he can. Um, Danny, I, I, I think we both think he can. Do you think he will? Did I, maybe I, maybe I asked that incorrectly. No, I don't think you asked it incorrectly. You know, they're not playing. The other thing is they're not playing Michigan, Notre Dame, and Penn State the last month of this regular season. So, um, this game they took they had their opportunities and they took advantage of them. And there have been other times where they've, they've where he's made throws and they just didn't come down with it. Like some of these passes, some of these big like I feel like earlier in the season, like Danny would have gotten tackled on that <laughs> on his on his seventy two yard touchdown. Like he gets he gets yeah. tripped up and he doesn't go it or. Kendrick is unable to come down with it because it's, you know, it's a tight, it's tight coverage balls right there. And uh, he's just unable to come down with it. Like there, there have been opportunities at, at different points in time. It just nothing, nothing uh, has necessarily clicked consistently. And on Saturday it clicked consistently and it, it would have been even better if not for a questionable false start, or I should say an illegal motion penalty on, on Chim Ray DK that would have right. set up, you know, set them up at first and goal on the one. I mean, I, it was, it was very close. The more I went back and looked at it, and in the moment, like we were all in the poll, we were all in the uh, in the press box, and Jim Polzin's like, "Oh, false! It was you know, it was illegal motion." Went back and looked at him, like, "Okay, you know, I can kind of see it." But the more I look at it, like, I, that's a really, really tight call that I don't think they ever make, like they barely ever make. And so it could have been even, 
it could have been even better than than what it was. Like they they were hitting. It felt like, especially on those slants against one on one coverage, which you know I feel like they've gotten a lot this year. Um, yeah, they were able to take advantage of it that they haven't been earlier in the year. And if this is a start of it, Caesar Williams told me after the game, he's like, "Man, what's our identity? Our identity is we're going to run the ball, we're going to play great defense, and if Graham gets rolling, watch out." Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how we're going to be tough to stop. Yep. That's a good quote. I mean, he Caesar and a lot of guys talked after the game about, they feel like Graham's playing with more confidence each week. Now. I mean, Graham will tell you that he's kind of tried to be the same guy every week. I know that hasn't been easy at times, especially when he's got to face the music every Monday and talk to us and Saturdays after the game too, about what's going wrong. But Caesar said when Graham gets in rhythm, that that's what get this gets this offense going. Obviously, Braylon and Chez have done a lot of the work here in the last five games, but you see what the difference can be with Graham, and it's developing a rhythm earlier rather than later. And I do think we'll see more of this from Graham. I can't say like the next three games are all going to be his three of his five best games of his career to this point, um, but. I think we're going to start to see more of this. There's really it's it's been head scratching the whole season. There's really no reason for there not this not to be the case. Um, so well, he's just got to go out and do it. I think I think you do have a point though about the pass protection. It hasn't always been there, and the running game hasn't always been there that people actually ha- have had to respect. Now they've had to respect it of late, right? They've had to certainly respect it these last five games, but I, I don't think teams necessarily were. Um, but now teams are going to have to look at this film and, and maybe they'll just sit there and say, Nope, I, I don't believe it. <laughs> they're going to be, they're going to be uh, Mert skeptics and they'll be like, Nope, Nope. It's going to come down to whether we can stop Braylon Allen, Chaz Malusi and whoever else is, is in the backfield, Grover board a Lottie, you know, you, you got to get down you got to, got to stop Grover. So, um, <laughs> but I, I think they have a little bit of a decision to make. I personally think they're going to continue to be like, I don't believe it. Uh, I don't trust it. I'm going to make Graham Mertz beat me still. I would expect that to be the approach going forward. And it's up to Graham and the offense to do what they did against Rutgers. But going back to the pass protection, Graham was sacked seven times in the first four games. And again, three of those four games were against very good teams, but he's only been sacked three times over the past five games. And so that obviously has gone into some of the success as well because you're not in second and third and ridiculously long which they haven't had success in you look at the the Rutgers game you know coming into that game Wisconsin was one of the worst teams in third down conversion rate which we've talked about they were 125th in the FBS 29.5 percent well Wisconsin converts on seven of 12 third downs against Rutgers that's the best percentage Wisconsin has had this season I mentioned that Graham completed three third down passes for first downs. He went three for six on third down. So it's a lo- it's all of these things that stack up. And again, another thing, other than that interception, which was in a bit of an eyesore, you know, Graham played clean football. And through the first handful of games, when Wisconsin was one and three, he'd thrown two touchdowns and six interceptions. Over the last six games, he's thrown two interceptions on 95 throws. So these all stack up, and they're all part of the reasons why we're seeing what's happening right now. They all go together. 
Yeah, no, they, they definitely do. And I have said throughout that I do think he's got all the talent in the world. I think they have talent at the wide receiver position. It's why I think a lot of us were, I don't want to say bullish on their, their offense to begin the year. You know, I, we thought it was going to be better than it was last year because those guys being back, Pryor and, and Davis being back. And to start the year, it wasn't. I think a lot of that has to do with the teams that they were playing. And we kind of talked about it, Jesse. Like, if they start the season with Rutgers and Illinois and Purdue and, like, some of these other teams, and they don't play these other teams till later in the year, are they Michigan State at this point? Like, before, obviously, yes. losing to Purdue? Right? Aren't they? They're number three in the country. We were talking about this. Of course they are. And then that's... That's what's made this such an interesting season is they they haven't played like a, a top 15 team. They haven't they didn't beat those top 15 teams, but maybe they were a top 25 team all along. Obviously, now they're they're in the top 20, so they're working their way up. It's just kind of the way the schedule played out. And now they're in great position to win the last three and be nine and three and, and go to the Big Ten championship game. I think at this point, if they don't, um, it'd be it'd be a real kick to the stomach. It'd be a disappointment. Be a disappointment. Yeah. I, I think certainly where their mind is at, and uh, you know, in, in talking to them after the game, they they feel like they are playing their best football. They feel like I I, I desperately try to get one of them to say this is going to be a November to remember, not a reward. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, how did you couch that question? So, so I said this, this particular month will it be something that you will look back on fondly? So I'm like, uh, you know, seven years ago. Gosh, it has been seven years ago. Vince Beagle said after a Purdue game leading into uh, after the Purdue game, I think that was like October 31st. We want it to be we want to make November one to remember or whatever it was, whatever the quote was. And I'm like, and I'm like, are you guys looking to do something similar? And uh, <laughs> and I mean, they all talked about it. Like, you know, Caesar was talking about how November is about championship football. And if you play good football, if you're playing your best football in November, Championship football usually follows, and it does. I would, I agree with that, and I, 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 they certainly have that in their mindset. But it's also, you know, Jack Sanborn. Every week, something can happen. We saw it again with Purdue taking out Michigan State, like they did. Yep. You know, Purdue Jekyll and Hyde here. I mean, I shouldn't say Purdue. I should say Aiden O'Connell uh, Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, Wisconsin made him look like a fool, and <laughs> he put up 400 yards on both Iowa and Michigan State. And David Bell obviously being a huge part of that, Wisconsin essentially zeroed out David Bell. So, but what I, what I guess my point is, you know, anything can happen in any week, and so they're they're trying to take it week by week, and that starts with Northwestern, who they are twenty two point favorites on, which is just insane uh, when you think about the series between these two teams. Just the third time it's been twenty two plus in the last twenty years. The last two times was in twenty nineteen. They didn't win by more than twenty two. Uh, and the other time was in 2010, and they definitely did. I think they put up 70 points in that game. But either way, like getting back to the game itself, going to the running game, Braylon Allen, another 100-yard game, goes for 129. He's got five straight 100-yard games. I believe he has 612 yards in these last five uh, – 612 yards in his last five games. He's averaging, what, seven and a half, I think, yards per carry. He's been fantastic. And they may be counting on him a whole lot more because Chesm Lucy went down with uh, what looked like an unfortunate uh, knee, uh, leg injury, knee injury. He certainly planted on on his left leg, came up uh, holding it afterwards, and and did not return. We saw it on. I mean, we we watched 
guys go into the injury tent to, I, I don't know, I don't want to say console him, but it kind of felt like that. Paul Christ even went in there uh, during the game. So, and he, he ended up walking off under his, I mean, he, he walked off the field, him and Chris Orr walked back to the locker room, but uh, Paul Chris said, we'll know more in the next few days. I think we'll have more, we'll have an idea Monday morning, exactly what's going on there with him. But that's just a, a huge blow, a huge blow to him because he's been playing so well and a huge blow to Wisconsin for sure. That, that one, two, um, that one, two combination that they've had back there. Yeah. It's a big, big deal. Obviously, as you said, the severity will be determined here pretty soon, but just from the way that the players and Paul as well, were going to the tent. You don't normally see that, uh, that many guys coming in to check on somebody and it was a non-contact injury. Braylon Allen said afterward that he felt devastated to see him go down like that. He said those non-contact injuries are the scariest ones. So he was in the midst of a, another solid game, carried 15 times for 75 yards, and they really found something here. I mean, Chesbin has been the number one guy for since the beginning, but with, with him and with Braylon, it's been a, a pretty lethal one-two combination. And we saw what Wisconsin has to work with when Ches isn't out there, it's just, it's a different dynamic. And the other thing that I think is worth noting is that Braylon's been dealing with, he's been banged up. I, I suppose at this point, if you play enough football, everybody probably is, yeah. but he didn't want to go into detail. It was basically, he said it was body soreness, but by the end of the week, he felt that he was ready to go. He knew the team needed him. And he, so he said it was more of a mental battle for me uh, than anything. It's just been nagging him. So, I mean, the, that running back room is a whole lot smaller now than it was earlier in the season. So we saw Julius Davis get his most extensive action. Um, we saw Jackson Aker get in, and I, I, I like what I saw from him. We'll, we'll we'll see whether he's a fullback or a running back in the future. Um, but like Davis is something, and Brady Shipper, you know, we may have to see more of them again. We'll, we'll have to see how it shakes out. But it's a it's a much different running back room. If you don't have Chez in the mix, I do think it was interesting to see. Uh, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the calls, but it, it was interesting to see Julius Davis that early in the game. Uh, he he actually yes, it got, was. He got carries. He got a carry before Braylon Allen did. I'm sure they're working on it. I'm sure they've worked on it, and I'm sure that's something that they wanted to not even just get on film, but wanted to have Julius be a part of uh, because he has been working so hard on yep. the scout team and he's put in so much time and they want to get him involved. And I think we kind of saw some of what potentially he could give them. Um, and I honestly, Jesse, I think we're going to see a ton of him the rest of the way. Like, I, I, I think, I think it's going to be him and Braylon and if Braylon is not obviously uh, 100%, I think it's going to be the, you know, it's going to be the trio of Braylon Allen, Ches um, uh, Julius Davis and Brady Shipper, and then you know maybe Jackson Aker works in here and there, but yeah, I mean I that's that room went from uh, decimated last year to you know bare bones in the spring, you know to where Quan Easterling was was being was a tailback to being overloaded in fall camp to now being you know run down again. I mean they've lost they lost what. Four guys to the transfer portal. They've lost. It, it appears they've lost another one to a, to an injury. They are hurting there, and that's not good because they've been so good running the ball these last five weeks. It certainly wouldn't be ideal, um, given how much they rely on the run game. And 
we don't know what it would look like if there was a different one, two combination other than what we've seen the last five games. Um, I, so I, I've got a story that's running Tuesday. I actually had a chance to talk to running backs coach Gary Brown last week. It was for a story that I wrote that published Friday on Braylon. But since it's the only opportunity I'll have to talk to Gary during the regular season, I wanted to ask him about all the other guys. So that's, that's what the story is on. I kind of had to tweak it a bit since this, Things have changed uh, during the game Saturday and probably will still have to tweak it once we find out everyone's status on Monday. But I thought it was interesting what he said about Julius. Um, I'll just this is what Gary said. He said he's similar to Chez. I think he has a really good skill set. He's more of a make you miss slasher type running back that we can find a role for him at some point. And he said, we're trying to do that with him. We really like him. He's mature. He understands the offense. He's one of the favorites in the running back room. And he talked about he's working his butt off. He doesn't complain. He understands where he's at and he just keeps grinding and it'll pay off for him at some point. I guarantee it. Obviously Gary had a, an idea of uh, Julius being used probably early in the game at that point. Now we didn't know that it would wind up with him getting seven carries, but um that says a lot. I think that Gary thinks highly of him and that for the longest time we've wondered like, what's, what's going on with Julius? Why isn't he playing? And he's just sort of been quietly putting in the time behind the scenes in the background. And and now it appears that uh, this could be his big chance. So you were able to ask about all of the running backs. I tried to, <laughs> did you miss, did you miss one? Who, who, uh, what Grover no, Bortolotti, nothing on Grover Bortolotti, who was, uh, the grit factory, uh, worker of the week. I'll, I'll admit it. He was the one guy I didn't ask, you know, <laughs> if I had, if I had a magic eight ball and I had known that he would be the man uh, on Saturday against Rutgers, but you know, there were a lot of guys to get through Yeah, and someone had to be left, I suppose. Um, what do they call it on the, the cutting room floor? Did you, did you I, like, I didn't. Obviously, he was not in the post-game media room because what he did came very late after uh, requests went out. But uh, this thing that they're doing with the Grit Factor hat that they can't actually have on the sideline anymore because now it's uh, an LI deal or, uh, yeah, name, image, likeness issue. So you can't have it on the sideline, but they're, they're giving out like this factory worker of the week. And uh, the Grit Factory worker of the week was Grover Bordelotti. Apparently, he, I mean, he was on scout team, obviously, because that's kind of who he is. But the only routine, or only reason he got on the travel roster was because he showed he could be the backup long snapper. And uh, so that's the only reason he was able to travel. That's and, awesome. And was able, was able to get on, was able to come. And at the end of the game, when obviously they were up 52 to three, they were up 52 to three the, the entire fourth quarter. He had five carries and 48 yards. And Average 9.6 yards carry. So obviously a uh, really, really cool story for him. Don't know if he's going to factor into the, to the, to the rest of the season, but that's, that's an awesome opportunity for him to, that he was able to take advantage of the other side of the ball that we haven't actually talked about the defense dominant. Once again, still good, still very good, still very good. Uh, Graham throws that interception on the first play or on the, on the first drive and Noah uh, Vedral gives it right back. And it could two different guys could have picked it off. Noah Burks is the one that ended up picking it off. I think Scott Nelson picks it off and probably takes it back for six, assuming he assuming he catches it. Ah, God, that's so mean. I, but hey, 
Leo Chanel says it every time. So I'm not, I'm, I, I feel like I, I feel like I'm okay on that, on that ground. Cause he, he's always asked about like the turnovers and he's like, yeah, well now we're catching them. So it's all good. But either way, yeah, the, the defense gets it right back. They go down and, and, and uh, are able to what put a touchdown. It Ches goes in for seven and it was like, that could have been, that was a huge turning point in the game. I mean, they could have gone the other way and it didn't. Yeah, it was massive. It took all of two plays for them to gain yardage despite Graham throwing that interception. And as you said, Chez scores a 14-yard touchdown run and Wisconsin's off and running. The other grit factory worker guy of the week, though, Jack Van Dyke, yeah. kicker, coming in, <laughs> drilling Aaron Crookshank, tackled him near the knees, knocked the ball loose. Don't see that very often from the kicker, but that was obviously a big moment. Yeah. Alexander Smith recovered that one. And then Mertz threw the, the one-yard touchdown pass to John Chanel, and Wisconsin's got a 17-3 lead because of that, that forced fumble. Yeah, 17-3, and on the next uh, drive, or the next play, the next play from scrimmage, Vedrell finds uh, Caesar Williams for a touchdown. Um, that's not his guy. But that play made complete, not completely, but uh, generated largely because of Keanu Benton being all yes. of Vedrell's legs. and. You know, the ball sails on him. I mean, his receiver probably needed to be two feet taller and he would have had a chance at it. Instead, it goes right to Caesar and he's able to take it back. And again, that was when the route was on. They they were able to put another touchdown on the board after that with the Kendrick Pryor touchdown. And it's what, 31 to three at the half. And we're all looking at each other like, uh, all right, we can start writing the stories now. <laughs> yeah. And that's the type of play where you look at Keanu and you're like, this dude is a pro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He blew past Rutgers' center. It was like he was playing a JV guy. And, and again, it goes back to the complimentary football. Just as we talk about everything's not necessarily always on Graham, you have to have good pass protection receivers who can separate, get the right depth on a route. You know, Caesar doesn't pick off that pass unless Keanu does what he does. And that touchdown, as you mentioned, it came right after. It was a span of 14 seconds between those two touchdowns. And all of a sudden, the game was over. And no, I don't think anybody saw the well, I'm sure there's somebody out there in the in the podcast world that was like, yeah, they're going to go play action here to John Chanel. There's, there's you know, for sure. Man, that's that was so happen. well executed. Graham, that fake to Braylon was just perfect. Like it was great. He's, he's he uh, yeah, he's got that. He's he's got that in his repertoire. If you remember his first touchdown came on a play action and then fullback when he hit Mason Stocky for the touchdown. Uh, that was his first touchdown against Illinois last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so either way, he, he he's okay with finding fullbacks. I believe that was John Chanel's first uh, touchdown reception. But the, the defense in, in general, they gave up, what, 207 yards, and they played with their backups for the last, I know, what you say? Was it the last, what, three minutes of the second of the third quarter and the entirety of the fourth? Yeah, I, I remember writing the it was like two minutes left in the third quarter when we started to see some of those some of those young freshmen like uh Ricardo Hallman and Hunter Wohler and Daryl Peterson. Yeah. So I mean they, they they give up unfortunately for you, they give up ninety five yards rushing. Uh, I know, man, I had that nailed and then I just didn't know that they would put a a, a fifty spot on Rutgers and, and it would get out of hand like that. Although nobody, I did say Wisconsin would roll, but you know, just didn't think that the reserves would be in there for more than a quarter. No, and it is now uh, Rutgers goes one for eleven again uh, on third down. Wisconsin's third down defense continues to be impressive, and the, you know the two hundred and seventy yards is, is more than they've given up. I guess you know 
They're giving up 185 yards in this in this uh, five game winning streak and seven points a game. Is that good? That's okay. That's okay. okay. That'll 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 get it done. That will get it done. Want to play a little uh, <laughs> overreaction or no? This is the best Badgers offense Paul Chris has ever had as head coach. Is that an overreaction or no? That is an overreaction. <laughs> but here's I, I, the only reason I even throw that one in there is because do you think they have the potential to not be the best, not be the best? The 2019 with, with Quintess Cephas yep. and, and with Jonathan Taylor, the way that they were certainly rolling towards, uh, you know, at, at points in that season is the best that he's had. But can they, based on what we've seen, and I, and the, the the horrible thing is, I'm basing a lot of this on Rutgers, right? <laughs> um, so, but is there? Do you think there's a potential that they can they can start creeping up and and not be what they have been much of the year, and that is the thing that has held this team back? Um, well, that's a very different question. I thought you were going to take me in the direction of like where the offense could potentially rank against Paul's other teams, which All I right. would have said low. So I don't. I no, didn't no, want to answer. Really? That one. Really? Okay, um, 20, 2015. See, I was going to get, I'm getting out my uh, Wisconsin you don't do this. football fact book. You don't want to do this. 2015, not good. They were better passing the ball, could not run the ball worth of crap. Well, they didn't have any running backs. Yeah, 2016, still not great running the ball. The 2017 offense, certainly, I think, is better than this one. Yeah, 2019, better. 2017. Yeah, uh, those, those would be the only ones that I would say definitely yeah. better, be, that, better than what this one can be. Those, yeah, those are the um, only two I think that are better than this than this one can be. The 2015, 2016, nope, and uh, and 2018 certainly not. You know, you're thinking about Jonathan Taylor in 2018, and he put over 2,000 yards, but that passing game with Alex Hornibrook mm-hmm. and uh, and a young Jack Cohn and no Quintez Cephas wasn't any good. No, for the most part. Not. For the most <laughs> part. Um, yeah, I mean, can the group be good? Yeah, but I've been saying that. since before the first game of the year. So uh, it's possible. I just, I don't know. It's one out of nine so far. Uh, That's a a low percentage of how many times we've seen it come to fruition. For sure. For sure. But that's, that's kind of what I'm saying though. The potential. Yeah, sure. The potential's there. The potential's been there the whole season. You talked about, uh, you know, it's kind of the offense that we thought. It's what Kendrick said after the game. This is what I've been waiting for. This is what I was talking about in fall camp and, and over the summer. Um, obviously, if they can do this, then I think we spin it forward. And it's not just that they win the next three games. It's can they give the whoever wins the Big Ten East a legitimate uh, run to, to, to win. We're not there yet, but like that's what it's going to, to have to take because we know the defense is going to show up. They've been good all year. They've done it against good teams, but it's the offense that is, and particularly in the passing game, that's held them back. So, yeah, if they play to their potential, then we've got something fun to talk about in four weeks. All right, here we go. When when Wisconsin wins the Big Ten West and faces whoever comes out of the East, they will give them a game. Overreaction or no? I don't think that's an overreaction, but I also think give them a game is extremely vague. So well, give them. I don't. I mean, what that they're what, in it in the second half, not 2014. Uh, essentially, I mean, Jesus, I, that's the lowest bar of all time. That was the worst 
performance go, I've ever seen. But go look at their other three appearances uh, under Paul Chris. 2016. Yeah, they get, of course. Right there, 43 yards. They were not 20. Yep. In 2016, they had the, the big lead against Penn State. In yep. 2017, they were 43 yards away. In 2019, they had a two-score lead uh, in the first half. So, yeah. like, they, they've been there. Like, can they give those type of games to – whether like we both think it's going to be Ohio state, right? Like even if, even, yep. ne, even though Nebraska played them well, and I think it doesn't matter. I think Nebraska's, <laughs> I think Nebraska ends up being the uh, toughest game still on the schedule for Wisconsin. The way that they, just there's certainly their record. No, but the way that they've played and the way that they've been right in every single, almost in every single game that they've played uh, against ranked opponents, took Michigan state to overtime, took uh, obviously Ohio state down to the wire, They've they've been pretty good against ranked opponents, so I, th- I feel like that defense has a chance to keep them in. But I also think like uh, Nebraska's offense is going to give Wisconsin defense a lot of opportunities to take the ball away. But either way, here's what I'm saying uh, in, in terms of the East: if it's Ohio State, do you think they have a shot? Like if it's Michigan State, I think they can beat Michigan State. I don't think it's going to be Michigan State, but I think they could beat Michigan State. I think they can beat Michigan State too. Does Wisconsin have a shot to beat Ohio State? There's always a chance, but my answer would be no. Um, <laughs> but but it, in terms so of do they the give them a game? I yeah, mean, like is it this? Is it is it 2017? Like, is it comes down to that, like right down to the wire type of thing? I'm not going to rule it out because of how good the defense is. I mean, maybe Ohio State shreds them because they've got athletes all over, and over 60 minutes, you just kind of see that. That's what we've seen in this matchup over the years, but. I think the defense is too good to let that happen. So I do think that it will be, I do think they'll be well-prepared the way things are trending, right? They're playing their best football at the time that they need to. And so unless they regress and look like they did in the first month. Yeah. I think they'll give Ohio state a game, assuming that's the matchup. I also think Ohio state will win and I'll just go find my game story from two or four years ago and copy and paste. Say that happens. And we were kind of talking about this. So I do not like going to Rutgers. I'll be honest. Uh, and here's, and also probably should let everybody know that I have yet to sleep. I'll just throw it's that out there. Fault. You didn't get a hotel room on night two. No. So what happens here? Uh, I'm going to throw this out here now. Uh, w- what happens here is you go, the game is at two 30. It's 45 minutes away. Right? So th- it's three 30 that time. I thought we wouldn't get back until 10 30 or 11 and we didn't and i my flight left at 5 30 so i'm like i'm not going to go into a hotel and just fall asleep that's that's just not me i'm going to go to a hotel i'm going to go into a hotel sit down and start watching the game again and then uh you know get into watching other things and, and it just it goes on and on and, and i just never go to sleep so i'm like what's the point of getting a hotel room and so i just chilled at uh at a hotel where um some other people were staying and but I forgot about daylight savings time. <laughs> and so Make it added another, yeah, it added another hour onto it. But either way, so we had a, me and you and Jim Polzine and Colton Bartholomew, we, we drove together to the game because it was 45 minutes away and, and we had good conversations. And, and the convers like one of the conversations was like, what if Wisconsin goes into the Big Ten championship game nine and three, but doesn't win it, what does this season mean? What depression? What, is, is it is it a success or is it no. or is it you played you played your toughest three games at the start of the year you lost them you didn't beat any I mean obviously I think 
depending on how Iowa and Purdue finish, we'll see if that's actually the case. You can, if you can sit there and say you didn't play anybody else, and then you went and played the one good, the one other good team from the East, and you couldn't win. And so it's it's the same old Wisconsin. Um. Yeah, that's basically the narrative. Um. Is it a success? Look, it's all about expectations, and when you have these conversations. Obviously, when they start one and three, if you were to say, hey, they're going to rip off eight straight wins and go to the Big Ten Championship, you'd say, all right. Um, At the same time, at the start of the year, they were supposed to win the West. So if they do, you know, and lose to Ohio State again, what's what's really changed? I suppose we'll have to see what would happen in that matchup, how close they actually are. But I don't know. It's hard for me to say it's a success, but. I'm someone who started covering them during Russell Wilson's season. I wasn't here in the 1980s. So I think, you know, the perspective is different based on when you come in and this is just, <laughs> you're looking for something more. So uh, we'll have this conversation potentially in three or four weeks, I guess. We will, but I think it's an interesting conversation to have because, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a good thinker because it, look, there was nothing to think about after that game, right? Like there. <laughs> The, what was, the Rutgers game? Yeah. I mean, there was a lot to take from it in terms of what Mertz did and the injury situation and another dominating effort from the defense and a lot of young guys getting playing time and all that. But I think like big picture, it's like, all right, well, they went out and did this. Can they potentially run off the next three and, and go and beat somebody in the big 10 championship game? And if they don't, what does this season mean? So I, I think it actually, there's, it's a good conversation piece. Um, yeah, at, I at agree. Least, at least to talk about. All right, uh, let's get into some of our Twitter questions. Uh, Ryan? I'm sure uh, they came pouring in after this 52-3 win. Slightly fewer questions than were coming in after Michigan and Notre Dame and Penn State. Slightly more positive, if you... I'm sure shocked by that. Buddy Ryan Wing says, uh, who do you like more as a backup to Allen if Malusi is seriously hurt? Julius Davis or Jackson Aker? Obviously not counting Brady Shipper. Julius Davis, uh, he's been in the program for three years. You know, Jackson's carried three times. He got three carries. Now, granted, the first one went for a touchdown. It's a pretty good percentage of touches to touchdown ratio. But, uh, you know, Julia, Julius has put in the work. Last we saw him in high school, he was outstanding as, as an in-state prospect. And so I like what he gave as well on, on Saturday. So to me, it's a no-brainer, really. This kind of goes into the uh, similar question. Um, Slatnick says, uh, if Chaz is out, who gets more snaps, uh, Julius Davis or Brady Shipper? Um, I should Davis. say, uh, he, he actually says carries. So, Davis. I get, yeah, snaps, probably Shipper. Uh, I don't know. Down, Shipper played. Guy. I, you know, the, the, the game on Saturday was unique for a, a number of different reasons. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I don't think Julius would have got, you know, a lot of these guys wouldn't have gotten the the snaps that they got in a normal circumstance, but Shipper played 10 snaps. Um, and I looked this up. He's played since week two, since the Eastern Michigan game, he's played anywhere between 10 and 16 snaps every, every week, uh, every game since that time. So you kind of have an idea of, of how many, yeah, yeah. Offensively. Um, so, but he's the third down back. And, and I think we, we saw it on Saturday. Like if you're going to give someone a carry, it's not that he can't do it, but I, I think it would be Julius. Yeah. I think they have gained confidence in Julius. To, I do too. To I do him. too. And I, I, I it's kind of what we were looking to see, right. Uh, to see if he was going to be able to do it. And it looks like he is. 
I think there were times earlier this season where we thought he may not be here and now he's here and nobody else is. And it's uh, working out quite, quite well for him. Right. And, and that's awesome for him. I think that's great for him that he, he just put his head down and continued to work. Whereas others may not have. Yeah. I mean, uh, for, for, uh, you know, I'll just say I'm I'm going to talk to Julius this week. I'm going to do a story on him, and I think you know it's a, a good time to to have that conversation when other guys in an era where when things don't work out, you just leave. He has stuck it out, and this is what can happen. And we'll see how many opportunities he gets. But the other thing is, it's not like I mean, yes in some respects it's a, it's a by default because so many guys have left, but at the same time, it's not that it's not that he's like a default player. No. If that makes sense. Like he no. is a, a very quality player. He was the first scholarship running back come in here and play that position in like seven years. Um, so he's got the tools. He hadn't been healthy. You know, it takes some time and it just seems like it is starting to come together for him. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, it, it's great to see. It's certainly um, great to see. And I, I guess this kind of, this question kind of goes into the whole le- uh, guys leaving, but is it odd that after they got rid of dudes or guys that got beat out left, that they've won five in a row? Frank asks. Um, nah, <laughs> I don't, I don't it's not it, like, I mean, yeah. these guys were reserves who were like, what, that the team was inspired because they left. The other thing is they had already won a couple when some of these guys left and right. something and, and like, you know, Quan wasn't playing and, and um, Devin Chandler wasn't playing on offense, at least, even though he was starting kick returner. Kane Lyles was a backup center. Obviously he started that one game when Joe Tipman got poked in the eye, but like, yeah. And da- Dante Burton played some, but he was behind guys like Alexander Smith and Dean Ingram. So I don't really think there's, I, I wouldn't tie the two together. Yeah. Marcus says of all the young guys who got playing time, and this is my ad, there were a ton of them. Uh, who, <laughs> who most impressed you? It was a game of firsts for them. When you go back, when you went down and looked at all the different guys that either made their debut or got their first carries or whatever it was. Uh, Jackson Aker, first action, three carries, 24 yards and a touchdown. Grover Bordelotti, first action, five carries, 48 yards. Uh, Marcus Allen, the wide receiver, First action, two catches, 24 yards, had a run for four yards. Uh, Jordan Turner, first career interceptions. Hunter Wolder, you, you mentioned it on the way out, out of the building. He had six tackles, which almost led the team. Uh, despite playing, Despite playing about a quarter, also had a uh, first career tackle for loss. Riley Malman got his first action, saw some time at right tackle. Yeah, so I mean, there were, there were a ton of guys that got their first action. Which one uh, of the young guys, not even just uh, those, those guys that I mentioned, uh, which ones stood out to you? So we've seen Hunter Wooler before. He contributes on special teams. He's played some defense. I can't say I'm shocked by what he did. I'm, I'm shocked that he had was third on the team with six tackles and played basically a quarter in two minutes. He's going to be a dude here. The answer to me is easy. It's Marcus Allen. He yeah. like it was and hoping out. Hoping where's this? Where's this guy been? And he needs to get on the field more. Uh, it's going to be a challenge the rest of the way, just with the the seniors that they have and trust, but. This year, he's a different, yeah, this year, this year, he's a difference maker and they used him in a number of different ways. They, they tried a jet sweep. He got a nice gain on it. It was called back because of a holding. They went back to the jet sweep. He caught a couple of passes. 
uh, for big gains. The question would be, he did get hurt. He had the 12-yard catch on the right sideline late in the game, and he came out with the injury, and Paul Chris said they still needed to find out about his injury status. So, again, hopefully that when we next convene with the team, we'll have some more answers on that. But I, I felt like even coming out of high school that he was he was one of the guys in this recruiting class just because if you if you looked at some of the stuff he did in high school, again, it doesn't always necessarily translate. He played eight games for his high school team in Ohio. Hit 60 catches, 844 yards, and 14 touchdowns. And a lot of those touchdowns came in the final seconds to win games. He's just that guy. And I think that that's exactly why they brought him in, and that's what he can provide down the road. Kendrick Pryor was awfully excited about uh, him getting some snaps and, and what he can do. So to me, that that's an easy answer. Yeah, him and Chim Ray next year. And obviously, you know, A.J. Abbott, and we'll see with some of the other young guys, but I think it's Marcus Allen and and Chimray next year. You know, I would not be surprised as as the two guys, as the guys. And uh, you know, there'll be some other ones that'll be thrown in there as well. But I certainly I liked what I saw from Marcus Allen. There's no doubt about that. Badger Beatdown says the Badgers will hold their remaining three Big Ten opponents under a combined thirty points or no. I I saw this uh, stat. I. I I did not go and look it up, so I apologize if it's inaccurate. Uh, they gave up 38 points against Michigan. They've given up 37 ga- uh, points since. Well, that is a tremendous stat, if true. And <laughs> you I believe to, you're yeah. right. Yeah, That's yeah. correct. Okay. So, yeah. Um, and now I can't remember where I saw that, so I apologize for not giving credit to the person that, I, <laughs> that uh, tweeted it. But we, we, a little addition to the... Uh, Overreaction or no, is that it, the Badgers will hold their remaining three Big Ten opponents under a combined 30 points. Overreaction or no? Well, the problem is uh, it's not always up to the defense. <laughs> you know? Well, yes. Yeah. Well, I throw I some, some pick sixes in there, some fumbles or something. You, you can't, uh, we, we can't have the conversation we had earlier in the, in the show, and then you come and then we roll in with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I need to be definitive here. I'm going to say, no, they don't hold them under 30. So, it's a, so it's an somebody's going to get, yeah, somebody's going to get a couple of touchdowns. All right. So it's an overreaction there. Yeah. Uh, of the three, Northwestern obviously always, always gives them a problem. Now, yeah. they have, now, they, now they've won exactly once, I believe, yeah. in the last 20 years in Madison, which was the obviously very controversial win in 2015 when Jazz PB clearly caught it. And um, yes, but you know, this, uh, the game just never seems easy. So we'll see how this plays out, but I don't think their offense is going to do a ton to Wisconsin's defense. We'll see what happens with Nebraska. Nebraska's defense is, uh, has, uh, despite the fact uh, that they have not won many games has uh, certainly held a lot of, has held some talented defenses to, or to say talented offenses to, lower point totals than they're normally used to. And then Minnesota, is Tanner Morgan going to beat them? Because that rushing attack certainly isn't. I, I don't know. I think I, I could see it, Jesse. I could see yeah, it. Me too. Yeah, I had to make a call. You know? Okay. All right. All right. Hypoth- uh, Rory says, hypothetically speaking, if the college football playoffs were eight or 12 games this year and Wisconsin went out, including the Big Ten Championship, would the committee put them in the playoffs? Yes. Guaranteed. Because one of the, I'm pretty sure, one of the, things is going to be automatic qualifiers for the, the conference champions. So yes, they would be in definitely in the eight or the 12. Now I will, that's the only way they would get in this year in my mind. They'd have to win the big 10. 
if it was the it, it, even if it was the 12 teams what do you think i think they have three losses so i don't care <laughs> well then you're really not going to like this question uh can you run through a scenario where the badgers made the college football playoffs this year nope absolutely all right. not all right uh chris says what specifically is chris Orr's role he seemed to be taking the lead and consoling Chez and and walked him down the tunnel notice that as well and uh you, you obviously you may have more information i it's it's a player development role but you know chris has experience with severe knee injuries and again we don't know what that is we don't know what it is but you know he's he's taking on a role in, in uh, mentoring guys and 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 being there for him and and it is a player development role correct am i am i completely f- screwing that up no i think that's correct uh, to me it's somebody who was just here 2 years ago who's been through all the wars at wisconsin and who's got one of the more magnetic personalities uh of anybody i've ever covered at wisconsin so like it just makes sense he's going to be around the team there's still guys on the team who played with him who respect him who know him um obviously wouldn't have that relationship necessarily with Chess since he just transferred in over the summer. But I mean, I, I do think that there's more to his role just because of um, people know him around here and the players do too. Yeah, no doubt in Jack City there as well. Yeah. I don't think he has any official. Role. I think what did, what did uh, Paul said? He said he's sticking around, uh, staying active and, and staying uh, in shape type of thing. I don't think he has an yeah. official role, but he is, he has traveled with them on the road this year and he was there last night as well. So, or, uh, on Saturday night as well, but yeah, Wisconsin will, uh, take on Northwestern this coming Saturday. We'll, we'll talk about that game a little bit more and get into our picks. I haven't gone back and looked, but I, I feel like we didn't have a great weekend, but we'll see. We'll see. I'll, I'll go back and look at the picks and we'll get into that on, uh, on Thursday. You got anything else? You good? I'm good, man. Let's uh, let's let's get some sleep, bro. I got like three three and a half hours. Uh, I feel awful, but I can only imagine how bad you feel. I, I people listening, I, I you know O'Hare Airport, massive airport. Somehow I ran into Zach, who's just like laying on two chairs, ready to pass out. We had different flights, different airlines, but there he was. So yeah, and and I'm like, and you're like, did you get any sleep? I said no. And like, oh, I'm like, doesn't do I look like I haven't gotten sleep? Because yeah, yeah, kind of. Kind of, yeah. Looking rough, but that's usually the case. It's all good. Jesse, thank you very much. Uh, We'll catch up on Thursday. Yep, talk then. All right. Uh, There he is, Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.